or that person from another generation. With the same mouth that we do one thing for God, we do another thing to humanity. It's the same stuff that James was talking about in chapter 2. It's just now he's saying it's not just your actions, it's also your words. With actions, you put the rich man here and the poor man over there. But with our mouth, we declare praises to God, but we curse those made in his likeness. And that hurts God because we're hurting his image. Humanity matters to God. We want certain people out of our way because of the inconvenience of loving and accepting them. But we don't realize that God has put them in our path because he wants to show his love through us. And so for those that are looking to go above and beyond, what happens is God's heart starts to become our heart. We get consumed by him and he consumes us and our heart towards every man, woman, boy and girl, regardless of age, class, uh, religion or status or whatever. Our heart starts to become his heart and, and his heart breaks and our heart breaks and it's not out of guilt, it's not out of obligation. It's not out of sheer willpower. It's because his love has changed us and we live in a way that we could never have done beforehand. We go way beyond because that which is above has consumed us and filled us. And we express our faith in ways that I used to express my love to Kara. Over and above. Above and beyond. Elaborately, excessively. See, works are not just what you do. They're also what you say. Your works are your words. And James goes on in verse 11, he says, we're doing like an old-fashioned Bible study this morning. So I'm just going through the verses and just seeing what God's saying. And he says in verse 11, Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Now, I, I wish I had like a whole sermon just to unpack this verse. But I think to the, to the Jewish mind and the Jewish Christian mind, I think what James is writing here would have started ringing some bells. The picture language that James is using. I think to those of us that are Christians, we see fig tree and we're like, that rings a bell of something that, that Jesus did when he, he was walking along and he saw a fig tree. And, and the fig tree was full of leaves. And as he walked over, I think it's Matthew 21, he walked over to it and, and it, it didn't have any figs on it. And so he cursed the fig tree. Oh, that we wouldn't just be about singing on a Sunday, but it would follow through into our walk on a Monday. We wouldn't present something that we're not, that we would live authentically. And the salt water, you see, I oh, just... this. I'm reading through it and I'm thinking salt water. That reminds me something of the Jewish journey. And as Jewish Christians, I think they would have gone back and they'd have looked at, at that story of, of the exodus, of coming out of slavery and being in the wilderness. And they're going, salt water, that reminds me of something. That reminds me of something that happened that as a child, I was told this story every year at Passover of how we came out of slavery. And then we came into the, the wilderness and there was just, there was no water and the people started to grumble against God. And if you look in Exodus 15, 26, and it says, and the people grumbled against, grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. That Hebrew word, let me just tell you, it's better to say tree than log. Uh, the translation is much better as tree. And he saw this tree, and God, the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the water, and the salt water became sweet. See, I think the Jewish mind would be recalling stories like this when they hear salt water. But they now had their minds saturated with Christ and that tree that went into that salt water has become another tree that, uh, that Jesus hung on. And that tree that when it impacts the salt water of our souls, it doesn't make us fresh water. Anyone ever jumped into fresh water? Oh, it takes your breath away, doesn't it? It doesn't make us fresh, it makes us sweet. When the, when the tree of Christ comes into our salt water souls, it transforms us and we become sweet and our words become sweet 
just like that tree that was thrown into the salt water. See, our goal is not to hide the bitter water. It's not to make us fresh, but it's to make us sweet. That our soul is no longer bitter. Instead, it's been made sweet by the cross of Christ, the cross that accepts all, loves all, and died for the whosoever. It's out of the overflow of that that our minds and our mouths begin to be transformed. Can I just say one little real practical thing? Start to thank God for the cross. Start to just, I'm doing it every day now and just saying, God, I'm coming back and I'm saying thank you for what it represents. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you died so I didn't have to. You died, sinless saviour died and took my place, took my punishment. And I can't help when I look at the cross just be overwhelmed with gratitude. I can't help it when I see Jesus who's no longer on the cross, but he died, was buried and then rose again, conquered death. I can't help but just say, thank you, God. Oh, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for the price you've paid. And that starts to stir up in me and transform my heart. So when I actually want to give that person a piece of my mind, I go, do you know what? They're just like me. They're just like me. Why don't we sit down? Why don't we have a coffee? Why don't, well, I don't need to give you a piece of my mind. I just I need to share God's love with you. See, we have to go above if we want to go beyond in our words. Can you imagine what would happen if collectively we just came to Jesus? Instead of leaving this place, insisting that we're going to do better, we just collectively gathered around Jesus. Can you imagine how that would impact our world, impact our words? We have to go above if we want to go beyond. And so my second point, first point was words. Hopefully you're going to remember that, words. I've also been told you need to repeat words. Words. So our second point is what? Wisdom. You've got it already. I bet you can't remember last week's points, but Cara was right. I should know it. Cara was right. So two, words and wisdom. And we have to go above if we want to go beyond with our wisdom. James 3.13 in the message, it says, Do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Mean spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish conniving. Whatever you are trying to look better, sorry, whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at each other's throats. See, what James is doing here is just listing what culture makes wisdom look like. Saying, have you got like selfish ambition? Are you just trying to get to the top? Are you living for the extension of yourself? Are you willing to stamp on anyone to get there? Selfish ambition, mean-spirited ambition. Are you boasting about what you know, making everybody else around you just feel really, really small? Yeah, I read that one. Yeah, know all of that. Got that sorted. I've got, a resp- I've got an answer to every single thing that we're talking about here because I'm well-read and I'm knowledgeable. And it just makes everybody else around you feel really, really small. Do you twist the truth? over-exaggerating how many Facebook friends you've got just so you feel accepted, how many likes you got on Instagram. Yeah, 300 likes. <laughs> how good am I? Or maybe you're twisting the truth of a story that happened in your life and you're retelling it just so everybody else around you goes, wow, you've really solved everybody's problems. Aren't you amazing? So James is just unpacking what culture looks like in the world and James says it's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's the world's wisdom, which is all about me, myself and I. Can I just say one thing for the record? We're not against ambition here. But what is your ambition seeking to achieve? Is your ambition focused on you or is your ambition focused on community? Extending each other, building each other up. I'd like to suggest that James is saying be ambitious about community. Seek to live to the benefit of others. 
Let's look at what James goes on to describe in, in, three, in chapter 3, verse 17. God's wisdom, he says, real wisdom, God's wisdom begins with a holy life. Holy life just means that we look different. We're set apart. Humanity will start to notice we're different. There's something different about you. I remember once I reversed into a car in a, a shopping uh, like high street. And I reversed into the car and uh, dented their car a little bit, uh, broke like the number plate. My car was fine. And I just said to them, oh, can we just like forget insurance? Can we just, I'll just pay for the n- number plate and any other damage. And he's like, sadly, we can't because it's, it's, um, it's like a lease car. So I have to like report all the stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. But it was funny through the conversation, just the way she was responding and the way we were talking. I was just like, are you a Christian? She's like, yeah, why? Like, because you gave yourself away. She's like, are you a Christian? I'm like, yeah. We gave each other away just by, we weren't even trying. We just give, give yourself away because it begins with a holy life and it's characterized, listen to this, what a holy life is characterized by getting along with others. It's gentle, reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. See, with our words, are we saying, yeah, yeah, that's who I'm going to be. I'm going to commit to that. And we managed to commit for like a month and then we just like, hopefully no one will notice. I've not been there for seven years. Or I said I was going to do it, and I'm just, I, I can't get up in time. I just haven't got the strength to do it anymore. Hopefully no one will notice. Is that what we're like? Are we, are we that kind of person, hot and cold? God, God actually says, I'd, I'd rather you be hot or cold rather than lukewarm. Our church, that we would desire this sort of wisdom. It's God's wisdom. Not always having the answer. Not always being right. But a wisdom that gets along with others. Have we ever thought that's what wisdom means? Seeking just to get along with each other. Seeking to live gently and reasonably. I just wonder how many churches could have been saved if we sought this kind of wisdom. Not seeking to look at what benefits me, what gets me on in this life, but looking above. Oh boy, we go way beyond when we start looking above for our wisdom. Verse 19, and I'm finishing where we started. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. Church, we are not about gathering as many people as we possibly can. We're about being healthy. My prayer is that we would be a healthy church. Now, don't get me wrong, that means healthy things grow. If my son Reuben was like 14 and was still down here, I'd be a little bit concerned. It's like there's something not right. So healthy things are going to grow. It's a natural byproduct of health. But actually, that's not our only gauge. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. See, when we take the time to look above, it starts to change our words. It starts to change how we do things. It starts to change our understanding. It starts to change our wisdom. When we look above, we are able to go way beyond what we thought possible. See, when that tree of price starts to impact our saltwater soul, we give ourselves away and we start to live way beyond what we thought possible. We start to speak in ways that we're like, do you know what? I, that's what I wanted to say, but I didn't. And I'm, I'm getting along with them. And hey, I, I'm really sorry that I said what I said. I'm really sorry that I said that joke that probably offended you. I'm really sorry that I've been ignoring you. You didn't feel it? Well, I was. Hey, we, 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 we are completely different. There's, there's, I love church because there's no other way outside of church we'd ever be sat next to each other. Maybe we should go out for a coffee. 
maybe you should come round to our house after church and we should get to know each other and learn from each other and, and get to know the, the amazing nature of God and his likeness because you're so different to me yet you're made in his likeness and I'm made in his likeness and I want to know more about God through knowing you. Can you imagine if that's the kind of community we were? It starts with going above. It starts with allowing Jesus to remind us who we are. That if you follow Jesus today, that you're made right with God. It's called reconciliation, if you want a nice long word. You've been reconciled. Humanity has been reconciled to God. And Paul writes about this. I'm finishing this sermon. I'm thinking, so it reminds me of some passages as I'm talking about made right with each other. I'm thinking reconciliation. And it reminds me of a passage in 2 Corinthians 5. Paul writes in verse 16, From now on, therefore, regard no one according to the flesh. Paul and James are so similar in what they, everyone tries to separate them and say, oh, Paul and James are against each other in what they're, no, they're not. What shame said? Oh, you say this to God, but then you say that to humanity that's made in his likeness. And Paul here says, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, make no decisions based on what somebody looks like or what they've done or where they've been. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Church, if you follow Jesus this morning, the Bible tells you you're a new creation. It tells you the old is gone. It tells you not the slate that's been wiped clean, but the slate that's been smashed up. If we get that deep inside of us, if we start reminding ourselves daily like that, I'm a new creation. Oh, I'm changed. I don't need to live like that anymore because that's not who I am. I'm new. And actually we start to do things we never thought possible. And this is the gift of God to all who follow him. Because he wants us to be in relationship with him. We couldn't do it. We couldn't settle it. And so God sorted it. And it says through Christ, he reconciled us to himself. But you know that's not where that verse finishes. It's not a full stop there. Through Christ, sorry, all, start at the beginning of the verse, verse 18. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Listen to this. And gave us, what? The ministry of reconciliation. Oh, that we would live to honor others for the dignity of others. Seek to build the community. What are we doing? It's my ministry. Hi, oh, sir. Great to meet you. What's your ministry? Reconciliation. Oh, I might be on the welcome team. I might do kids work. I might sing on a Sunday. I might work in an office. I might be a busman, but my ministry is reconciliation. I'm seeking to restore humanity, the children of God, back to their father through every means possible. Whether I work in a school, no matter what I do on a Monday morning, whether I'm retired, whether I'm a carer, whatever I'm doing, I've got the ministry of reconciliation. Why? Because Christ has reconciled me to God. I've been made right. And so I'm going to spend the rest of my days with the ministry of reconciliation, just trying to remind humanity that they can be made right with God. And the Bible says that God has entrusted us, those of us that have accepted Jesus. He wants us to live, love, and look like Jesus. And that means living in a way that it changes us and impacts the people around us. That's what a healthy, robust community looks like. When we start to say, it's not about me being right, it's about us getting along with each other. So I'm actually going to hold my tongue and, and, and not share my opinion because it's actually not going to do any help right now. Wow, I want to be part of that kind of community. I want to be known as that kind of people. And is it easy? No, <laughs> it's certainly not easy. James says it. He says, 
A robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and honour. And as the clock strikes 12, we draw to a close. Let's close our eyes. I just wonder if this morning you've never actually looked above. Maybe as you sit there, you're like, I'm not sure whether I have been made right with God. I really try to do well by the person sat next to me, but I'm not sure I'm being made right with God. And here's John stood in front of us saying, you need to look above if you want to go beyond. Jesus would say, freely you've received, now freely give. And we can try and give out and give out and give out, but if we've not received... So it would be wrong of me right now if I didn't stand here and say, if you want to receive either for the first time or you know that you maybe have, have done really well at looking good, but you're not sure God sees you as good. Can I say there's an invitation this morning? There's an invitation to be made right with God. And it's a free will decision to exercise your faith in what Jesus has done for you. And there is no pressure. And there's no expectation. It is your decision. And as you sit here this morning with every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity. If you want to say yes to him, to what Jesus has done, or you want to come back and say, I need to start looking above and receive from you. Oh, wash over me right now. Cross of Christ, come and impact my saltwater soul. If you need that this morning, I'm going to simply count to three. And as an outward expression of what the Holy Spirit is doing within you, I just want you to raise your hand. Just say, yes, I accept that. I receive. One, two, three. Just raise your hands. Amen. As those hands are raised, just receive right now. Holy Spirit, will you pour out right now from above? Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, where there is no shadow or variation or change. God, will you come and pour out right now into the souls of these lives that are represented by hands that are raised? Will you pour out your presence? Do in them which they could never do for themselves. Let them see your eye of acceptance over them. Let them see your hand of approval over their life. It says, come my children, my arms are open wide. Come home, come home, come home, come home. If you raise your hand, you can put it down. But if, you, if you're there and you're praying and you're like, maybe I don't need to raise my hand, but there's something inside of me that's just being stirred. I just want to pray right now. And you can just say amen at the end of this prayer. But it's, it's this, Lord Jesus. Oh, for too long tried to do it on my own. For too long, I've kept you out of my life. God, I know that I'm not perfect. Lord, I thank you that you don't wait for us to be perfect before you accept us. Lord, you don't wait for us to have all our words in order before your word over our life says approved. It says, my child, it says, come to me. Lord, we hear your voice this morning. Lord, I thank you and I trust you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you are the son of God who died on that cross and that cross can impact my saltwater soul and make it sweet. Thank you for taking my sins. Thank you for all that you've done. So now we pray, oh come Holy Spirit, just come and fill us. I pray against the desire to go out of here and insist on living right. Instead I pray Holy Spirit, saturate us with your presence that we would start to impact those around us. And if that's your prayer this morning, I encourage you just right now, everybody says, Amen. Amen.
because you may not feel like you're ready to make that kind of decision yet, and we respect that. You are welcome here, whether you ever end up believing or not, or whether you say, do you know what, I need to explore, and I want to belong to a community, but I'm not sure what I believe, then you're welcome. But I want to ask you just to do something this week. If you're willing, I want you to take five minutes. Five minutes to be open-minded. Five minutes out of the 10,000 plus minutes that you're going to have this week. Your buttons may have been pressed this morning. You may be sitting there going, I'm angry with John and I'm angry with God. And it's just like, this is way too close to the bone for me. But just take five minutes this week just to ask God to reveal his love for you. Just take five minutes. Say, God, if you're open-minded, if you're willing, just say, God, reveal who you are. And I want to ask you if you are a Christian in this room, whether this is your church community or not, whether you would consider me your pastor or not, uh, I, I want to ask you if you're willing to do something for five minutes or so this week. Five minutes this week. Can you ask God who he's calling you to love in the same way that he's loved you? And I would guess the name that comes to you that winds you up, that's probably God. Kind of how he works. But just ask God, just sit there for five minutes. If, if you don't get anything, then great. Just, just, just know that you can live this week just accepted and loved by God. But if a name comes to it, can you go out of your way just to try and show them some love? Just to say, do you know what? Without even using words, maybe. Francis of Assisi. Without even using words. Sometimes we need to watch our words and we need to make our words build people up. And it may not be smacking them over the head with a Bible verse, but it may just be encouraging them. It may just be spurring them on. Maybe actually saying, do you know what? The wisdom this week is that I don't need to prove that I'm right. I just need to get alongside you and we need to get along with each other. So church, I pray, I pray for each one of us this morning as we finish right now and we're going to grab some lovely tea and coffee and we're going to just uh, make sure we put the chairs from that side across and we do all the stuff that we're meant to be doing by stacking chairs and the rest of it. Uh, as we go into that moment right now, I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are within us. And I just pray right now, my feeble attempt to preach a message, that Lord, your spirit would just come and it would bring life to your words that are life. That as we leave this place, we know we go fueled and on fire by the Holy Spirit of God, that you would spur us on out of the overflow of the love you have for us, that we would watch our words, that we would go above to go beyond in our words, and we would know that we're wise this week because we're seeking your kind of wisdom, and we would go above to go beyond in our wisdom, and everybody said, amen, amen. Guys, have a blessed week. Please stay for tea and coffee. Uh, and this time next week, we've got our family service, 10.30 for about an hour service, and we'll have some fun together. Amen.